How dare you talk to me that way? You're so ungrateful and selfish. <laughs> it's not what you said. It's the way you said it. You never listen to me. That's because you never shut up. Can't you keep that baby quiet? <laughs> you can't tell me who I can and cannot date. Stay out of my life. I can understand why you are upset. God has always helped us. I know we can work this out. Hey, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad, and I know for a number of you, today is a risk day. You went to a new place. You've never been here before. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what it's like. So thanks. Thanks for taking the risk. Thanks for being brave like that, because I know it can be a challenge. It can make you feel awkward. And we were just at a, a wedding in London on the weekend, and I thought it was, it was quite funny because uh, my cousin, uh, he was the father of the bride, and we were talking afterwards, and he owns a store in a, in a town called Port Dover, and he had new people come into his store. And it's a smaller town, so he's really good with names and faces, and he goes, oh, you must be new. And they go, yeah, we're trying to get set up in our new place. We just moved here. And he goes, oh, where did you move from? Stouffville. Just came from Stouffville. And he goes, oh, that's amazing. My cousin is in Stouffville. Conversation's going fine. Then he says, yeah, he's a pastor at one of the churches. And conversation changes, right? How bad is it going to be? And they say, oh, really? Which church? And he goes, well, do you know the old Baptist church on Main Street? And the people's faces light back up and they say, yes. We do know that place. Into one or something like that, they did better than most people who live in this town with our name. <laughs> they actually got it right. It's not two for one, it's into one. And, and they said, yeah, we know it. They've been doing an incredible job. We watched how that place changed. They've really breathed new life into it. It's looking great. Your fame goes beyond what you thought. Your reputation is being spread. What you are a part of is gaining awareness. The Spirit of God is working through us. We're establishing a place where the kingdom of God is present and we're going to expand from there and people notice. And they don't just notice, wow, there is preaching. What a rarity in church. They notice what we were doing to their community, and they saw the church as part of the community that was a good thing and not just as a waste of space. And you've been part of that, and that's part of what your offering is going to as we reach out to this community, both in trying to revitalize, but to re-spiritualize as well. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we're part of here. So well done on you, because you are the ones who are making that happen. So, yeah, oh... Well, who doesn't deserve applause if it's you, right? Give yourself applause. Um, we're, uh, we're in the third week of a series that we've been doing, and we've called it Bless This Home. So if you're just joining us, what we've been doing is uh, we're, we're taking some of the teachings of Jesus that have been recorded in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, and that section, if you study it all, it has a label that gets put on it, and that label is the Beatitudes, 
Okay, that's a section where Jesus gave us eight different directions for who would be blessed, how to be blessed in that sort of a way. Or if we're really feeling a little bit more churchy, how to be blessed, right? Because that's a little bit churchier to say blessed than just blessed. Jesus, when he was teaching, he was talking to everybody. But what we're doing for the purpose of our study is that we're going to be trying to apply these beatitudes into our homes and not just everything out there. So bless this home. That's what we're going for. So Because honestly, and this is not criticism, this is just evaluation, so many homes are not as blessed as I believe that God would like them to be. In the first week, we looked at the beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And last time, we looked at the very powerful words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Part four, next week, in this series that we're trying to deal with families, preparing in advance for families, if you, if you don't have one yet, uh, how, to, how to work within your family, um, if, if you are in your own Next week will be blessed are those who are persecuted for, for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Today what we're going to do is talk about peace in the home. Because honestly, so many of our homes are not characterized as homes of peace. Instead, if you look at our homes, you would have to say that they're characterized by conflict, by tension, by strife, by stress. And I believe that God has something way better for us that he wants us to have our homes characterized as homes of peace. So maybe some of you say right away, well, okay, you're talking to me. My home has got a lot of dysfunction in it, but it's not my fault. And we all know what it's like to have a difficult family member. That's the reality. I think every family, if you look somewhere, maybe not in your own home, but in your extended family, everyone has a, a cuckoo, all right? A difficult to deal with person. I think it's a spiritual principle. And let me just help you to understand it. I think that every family has a wackadoo, all right? And I'm not talking about someone who's genuinely suffering from mental illness. We're not trying to make fun in that way. But there is, it's not someone who's seriously suffering from illness, but they are genuinely causing serious suffering, all right? To those around them. So can all of you say, somewhere in my family, there is an odd, difficult person. If that's in your family, raise up your hand, okay? Just raise them up. Now look around. Look around here for a second. Hold them up for a second. Now, there are some of you, two hands up, that's beautiful to see. <laughs> Not all of you put up your hands, but the principle is that there is a wackadoo in every family. So, for those of you who hands up, you understand. For those of you hands down, heads up. You might just be the wackadoo in your family, okay? They're all really thinking about you. Relationships, we know they're difficult. And we never got trained for them. You start a new job and they got to take you through your women's training. You got to learn how to be on a ladder. You, got, you go on an airplane, they teach you how to put on a seatbelt. But you get into a relationship and nobody tells you anything. They just say, go. And we don't know how to do it. Relationships are challenging. They're stretching. 
And honestly, they take work. And it's amazing that in our families, how easily we can slide into dysfunction and unhealthy family dynamics. And sometimes it boils down to, you hurt me. No, you hurt me. All right, let's do it again. And we do it. That's the practice. I give you something, you give me something, and then we all seem to agree, let's start it again. Let's do some more. And again and again, we end up in the challenging relationships instead of relationships that are characterized by peace. Now, I don't know what it's going to be like for you because every one of you is different, but maybe you're trying to raise your kids and your mom or your dad just keep looking over your shoulder, giving you advice, right? Advice. And that's the way it feels. And you just say, stay out of this, mom. Back off. And there's now tension between you and mom. But she's thinking there's tension between you and her and you and the kids. And we say things like, why can't you just see the damage that you're doing to yourself and to those around you? Maybe it's your own kids, right? And they fight all the time. And you find yourself saying stuff that you thought you would never, ever say. Don't make me pull this car over. Never thought you'd say it. Now it's coming out of your mouth. I'm going to count to three. You count to three and then you decide, well, now I'm going to count to five. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a neighbor who said, I don't know what I'll do if they don't stop. I don't know what to do at the end. Maybe you just count to 40 and they're still fighting and you say, okay, I'm going to go have a bath and I'll come back a little bit later and then we can talk because the kids are still fighting. Maybe you're a teenager, a young adult, and you're you're thinking, my parents will just never, ever trust me. They are always breathing down my neck. They're so controlling. Maybe you're in a blended home, and you're trying to raise your kids, and you're trying to raise her kids, and you're trying to raise our kids, and there's exes involved, and you've got an incredibly complicated schedule that you've got to balance, and you wonder, how could there ever be peace with all these moving parts? Some of you might be at a place where you, to this day, have not forgiven your mom or your dad for something that happened years and years And years ago, haven't forgiven, have not forgotten. It's still there. Today we're going to look at this beatitude, one of these things that Jesus taught us. And let's go into this. You can choose, right? But let's go in with the expectation that God is actually going to do healing in our hearts. Because if we don't go with that expectation, why are you here? If you don't think that God can make any difference at all, Why do you care? You can stay where you are. You've already felt what that's like. Imagine something different. So that's why we're going to go to Jesus. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to use your Bible, follow along there. Follow along up here. Do what you need to do. Starting in verse 9. Blessed or blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The Hebrew word for peace is what? Shalom. You hear this one all the time. It's shalom. And for years, the word shalom has become a well-known greeting. Like we might say, hey, a Jewish person would be more likely to say shalom. 
It's like aloha in Hawaii. You say it when you come, you say it when you go. Aloha. And it's just a word sometimes. But the word in Hebrew has a much more significant meaning than what we often consider in the English language. The word peace or shalom, it means more than just the absence of bad. It's not, I hope there's not currently war. It's not, I wish that you don't have hard times. Shalom really is the blessing that says, I wish you the highest good, which is obviously restored peace, restored relationship. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he doesn't just mean, I hope I can get you 10 or 15 minutes of strife-free living, but I want you to have the highest good. Not a tolerable rate, the highest good. This is God's desire for you. And Jesus, when he said this, just like the other seven Beatitudes, everyone listening is shocked. What? Why would he say that? Because what he's saying, these are a collection of very countercultural statements. Because everyone had been raised with the mindset, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. You know when somebody hits you? You hit them back. That's the way it's supposed to work. To this day, we struggle with this as a reality as individuals and as nations. What do we do? Someone steals something from you, you take something from them. And Jesus, what he was saying here is so shocking that it's very, very unfamiliar. And the people are going, what you're saying doesn't even make sense. But what he's trying to tell them is there is a higher calling. There is something that's available that's beyond what you understand, beyond what you've experienced, and if you want to follow me, that's where I'm going. It's perfect language because as we talk about it here, we're on a road trip. We're on a road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus, and to be on a road trip, you don't have to have already completed it, right? Which is great news. So no matter where you are in your relationship with God, whether you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know if I believe in God. Or you're thinking, maybe, maybe I should test this out a little bit more. Or maybe I've started a relationship with God. I got a lot to learn. I got to figure more out. Or maybe you've been around for a long time and you say, I've really enjoyed years of experience in this pursuit of Jesus and 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 I'm delighted by it. Wherever you are, you're still welcome to be on the same road trip. We're still going there and we're going there together. And as he says here, you'll notice, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. And there's a big difference. Peacekeepers often avoid conflict just to keep the peace. Peacekeepers, they'll work around the issues, but not through the issues. Just trying to keep the peace, but not trying to keep the shalom. Just trying to keep the fireworks down. And so we get to this kind of place where you know what it's like to be at family gatherings and just, let's just make a truce, all right? Let's just not talk about it or imply it or maybe even make eye contact. Let's get together at family dinners and we'll smile and we'll act like everything's okay. Although we all know that there's tremendous tension behind the scenes. But we're not going to show it because we're all happy at this meal, right? Everyone's happy to be here because it's a happy meal. No fighting, right? And year after year, it grows. It doesn't get better, it grows. And people around you absorb 
what you have in you. And then what happens? Right? Months go by, and then something or somebody pops in. There's something else that happens, and then all of a sudden it's just like, rah, 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 and it explodes. And you're like, where did all this come from? And what happened is that there were dozens of unresolved issues that were along the way that you thought weren't there because you didn't see them anymore, but they're there because they've never, ever been dealt with. And they continue to eat away at the inside the whole time. Well, what does the peacemaker do? And I don't mean, if you have any reference here, I don't mean the old Wild West rifle that they called a peacemaker, right? You know how they made peace then with a rifle? That's the wrong way to do it, okay? A peacemaker is going to embrace constructive conflict to create real peace. We're not going to try and just work around the issues. We're going to work on the issues. And we're going to work through those issues. And with the help of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, we believe that there can be genuine, real peace in your homes. So Paul, the apostle, he writes a lot of letters. And so he wrote a letter to his friends in, uh, well, actually people he was hoping to really get together with and, and work together with in a city called Rome. And so we call the letter that he wrote to the people in Rome, we call it Romans. And in this letter, honestly, Paul was, he was putting it all out there. This is like my whole thing. This is the whole deal. It's the most complete, the most extensive a letter that he ever wrote that we have a record of. And in Romans chapter 12, it's filled with incredibly insightful, helpful, inspired things. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 17, he says, Do not repay evil for evil, which is exactly what everybody had been taught to do. They're not just taught to do it, as in there was a class, it seems that we're all pre-wired with it in our system. An eye for an eye is the only thing that makes sense. Our responses all the time are based on what just happened to us. How do I know this really well? Because I was just on vacation. And when you spend a lot of time together, you get to watch each other a whole lot. And I'm not going to say them, I'm going to say me too. We got caught in it. He did that, therefore I'm going to do this. You did this, so therefore I'm going to. And our responses are based on what happened to us. He hit me, so I hit him back harder. She hurt my feelings. I'll hurt hers more. 20 years ago, they treated my family poorly, so we don't talk anymore. Don't talk to me? Fine then none of us will talk to you. And as adults, we don't like to say that someone hurt our feelings. It makes us feel weak. It, may, it, it makes it feel trivial. It makes it feel unimportant. And so instead of saying that our feelings are hurt, well, we, 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 we lie to ourselves about what's really happening, and instead we just get angry. We deny the hurt. We move straight to the anger. You hurt me. But in my head, I'm thinking but I don't want you to know that you can hurt me. You made me feel exposed and insecure. And I didn't like that. You made me feel unintelligent. And that plays already to my own poor self-esteem. 
You made me feel unimportant. You defied me. and You questioned my authority. And that blocks my goals. In doing this, we have a tendency to focus our anger on the person and not on the action. And that digs the pit deeper. And it's going to make it harder and harder to climb back out of that later on. When you did this action, you made me feel. And we like to add intention to the action, to justify our negative feelings and to make our anger seem more justified. You meant to hurt me. And the really powerful part of this that you have to realize is that this is so completely clear in someone else. And it's so completely invisible in ourselves. Paul goes on, he says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now here's the powerful part of the statement. If it is possible, as far as what? Everybody, say it out loud. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, for those of you who are sitting back and saying, oh, that's so true. I totally hope my sister is listening because she really, really needs to hear this. No, it's not like that. You let God speak to you. As far as it depends on you, you do everything to live at peace. And then in verse 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. He did that to me. I am overcome by evil, and I will do evil back. Instead of that, overcome evil with good. So what, was, what does that look like if we're going to be a Christ-centered home? We're going to be peacemakers. So what do we do? What does a peacemaker do in a living situation? How do we do this? First thing is, they tell the truth in love. Paul writes another letter to people who live in a city called Ephesus. I know, I didn't make these names up, but Toronto sounds weird too. So does Stouffville, let alone Whitchurch Stouffville. What would our letter be called? Whitchurch Stouffillians? Like, is that, is that the letter that he's writing to us? Anyway, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. A reference again that we as followers of Christ are his body. The hands, the feet. We're the stuff that moves and we're the stuff that people see. Because we are a Christ-centered home, we tell the truth in love. Now, it's important to clarify, it doesn't say that you yell the truth in love, right? Why are you always leaving all your clothes out here? That's yelling. That's not in love. Speak the truth in love. How does this work out? Here's a couple of pointers for you. Truth in love during non-conflict times, okay? During non-conflict times, that's when we work on important issues. In other words, if someone has just taken their shoe off and is about to throw it at you, this is anger. This is not the time to raise a new issue. You don't bring up the next thing, right? We work on those things during non-conflict times. Next thing is we attack the issue, never 
the person. We confront the issue, not the person. Happy you will be if you implement these. And I'll give you an example. I got to watch this happen at another church that I worked at. In a group of friends, there are times when, let's call her Amy, okay? Amy will talk for a while in the group. Her nickname is Tell Long Story. Amy Tell Long Story, okay? That's her nickname. And so she's sometimes, she's telling her story, and sometimes her husband would think, hey, let's just move this along. And so he'd say something. And well, evidently, that happened quite frequently. And Amy did something very wise. Let me tell you what she didn't do, okay? Um, She didn't respond in the way that's common with, why don't you shut your fat face, all right? (laughs) Why do you keep cutting me off? You think you're more important than me? Let me speak, boy, because I got something to say. Okay, when you're in a group, that's when groups get awkward. Instead, Amy waited a few days, and she approached him when things were going really well. And she said something like this, and I want to be specific about it because it worked really well because he told me, and I remember it, and it's a great story. It was effective. She said, Doug, you're an amazing husband, and you do, you do a number of things really well. And I appreciate when you do this, and I appreciate when you do this, and I appreciate when you do this. And she listed off specific, clear things. And she said, now, there's one thing that you do that you probably don't realize that you're doing. Because if you did, well, I don't think you'd do it. But I need to tell you because it's really hurtful to me. And she said, when we're hanging out with our totally awesome friends, the Clintons, while I'm speaking and saying something important, You'll often speak over me, and you'll interrupt me. And she kept on going for a while, explaining it, and so Doug kind of tuned out, and he interrupted her just to keep it moving, right? And she says, see, like that right there. And there's the thing. It was very effective communication. She affirmed Doug. She didn't attack him. She gave him the benefit of the doubt. She explained very clearly how it made her feel. She said, I know you don't want to make me feel that way. And more importantly, communication happened because Amy was heard. It was much more effective than being in the middle of a fight and Amy bringing up, and another thing, I hate it when you always... That causes things to break down very, very quickly. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The other thing that Amy didn't do was just to keep the peace and pretend like it never happened, to pretend like it, pretend like it wasn't an issue. She didn't just let Doug walk all over her and not bring it up. And as Christ-centered people, we tell the truth in Love. We love them enough to work through the issues. Not around the issues, but through them. Here's some trial example statements that may be helpful to you, okay? When you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. That's a statement. When this happens, 
This is how I feel. When you lie to me about something that's really insignificant, I find it difficult to trust you. This one probably doesn't apply to anyone here. When you continue to check your phone, when we're together, kind of makes... kind of makes us feel devalued. Like we're not really there. We confront the issue and not the person. And we do it at non-conflict times. We tell the truth in love. That's what we do as peacemakers. Second thing is we apologize when you're wrong. The brother of Jesus. What a great job that would have been. The brother of Jesus. Well, you think it's hard to live with your brothers or sisters? Brother of Jesus. He's James. He wrote this down as well. In James 5, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? What do you think your relationships would be like if when you sinned, you confessed it? I'm so sorry. What I did was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And then you pray together. Can you imagine how incredibly different our relationships would be if we owned up to our own sins? We confessed them. And then we prayed together. Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. Now how? How do you do that? You admit to specific actions without excuses. We say, what I did was wrong... No excuse. We apologize for specifics. No excuses. No blame implying. Okay? So you don't say, yeah, well, if you had only, then I wouldn't have. So you see, it's really your fault. We don't finish those thoughts out loud, but the implications are there. I'm so sorry that I belittled you in front of your friends. I have no excuse for doing that. That was wrong please forgive me. I'm really sorry that I didn't consider you. I really should have called. It is late. I can see why you're so worried. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I raised my voice at you like that. I was disrespectful. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I dropped the cat off the roof to see if it would land on four legs. <laughs> he did. Yay, Fluffy. But I shouldn't have done that. Okay, I was kind of joking about the last one, kind of. So anyway, there's a big difference between, and don't miss this, between remorse and repentance. There's a really big difference. So often people stop with remorse and they say, kind of like, well, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry we're, we're having this hard time. I'm so sorry that you got your feelings hurt. That might be remorse. Repentance is, I was wrong. I sinned. And the way our culture has worked with the fear of litigation, no one wants to take responsibility for anything. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And when you sin, don't stop with, I'm sorry. You may want to jot this down. I'm sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me is for sin. I'm sorry I left the toilet seat up. 
mistake. Will you forgive me for deceiving you? That's sin. Don't just stop at I'm sorry, but when you've actually sinned, ask somebody, will you please forgive me? It feels foreign in the mouth. You don't want to say stuff like that. You don't want your pride to take a hit like that, but you do want your relationships to be awesome, and awesome takes work. Awesome takes risk, and there's got to be vulnerability. When somebody says, will you please forgive me, the answer that you give them not, is not, ah, it's okay, because it's not okay. The answer is yes, I will forgive you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are child, they'll be called children of God. And this may be difficult, all right? I understand it's difficult. If it was easy, we'd have a lot better families, and we'd have a lot more peace. But we're not just a Christian family. We're not just going to be culturally Christian, self-identifying. We're not going to be just Christian in name only. We're, we are Christ-centered in all that we do. And Christ calls us not to just wish for the absence of harm, but to work for the highest good. He calls us to something more than what everyone else is called to. So we tell the truth in love. We apologize when we're wrong. And number three, what do peacemakers do? And don't miss this, because this is another kick in the teeth to your pride. It says, I'm not stopping at good intentions I'm going for transformation in me and for transformation in you. That's what I'm committed to. And because of that level of commitment, I'm willing to risk and do what's hard. Peacemakers forgive and let go. They forgive and let go. Let me just walk into this gently for a moment. Because at this point, I know that there's a lot of you. There is a tremendous amount of pain. And some of you right now may be thinking, well, you know, you got your little preacher life, you got your little preacher problems, but in the real world, you don't have any idea what I've been through. You have no idea what it's like to be me. And I just want to say that's true. I may not have been through what you've been through, but I do understand that betrayal is very difficult to forgive. I understand that. Some of you, your spouse betrayed you, committed adultery maybe multiple times, and you think, how can I forgive them? And I know that some of you, you've got someone that you trusted with everything in you, and they lied, and they deceived you, and they left you a really, really, in a lousy place. And it's tremendously difficult to forgive. And I know that there are those of you, too many of you, who have had someone in your family, someone who should have protected you. And that person who should have protected you took advantage of you. And they abused you. And you say, how in the world do I forgive that? I don't even want to forgive. How do I forgive? And I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. But I am going to tell you that it's doable. And that it has been done. 
And it's incredibly important for a Christ-centered home. The Apostle Paul gives us a little direction. If we look in his letter to the people who lived in Colossae, Colossians, go to chapter 3. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone. Now, how do we do that with something that seems unforgivable? Paul says we do it this way. We forgive as the Lord forgave you. Has the Lord Jesus forgiven you of a lot of sin? And I don't know about you, but I can tell you that he's forgiven of me a lot. Has the Lord forgiven you freely even though you did not deserve it and could not earn it? That's the path. That's how we are called to forgive. To freely forgive as we have been forgiven. That's what a Christ-centered home will do. Of course it's not easy. But that's the way of Jesus. I want to say one thing to you, and if you only remember one thing this morning, remember this. I want you to listen clear, clearly, carefully. Family is worth it. And there are some of you who call yourself Christian and you're not acting like it. Family is worth it. If we're followers of Jesus, what do we do? We forgive. The relationship might not stay exactly the same. We might need to make adjustments. But we release ourselves and we release the other person. What we don't do is when marriage gets tough, we don't just walk out and say, forget you. I'll take my stuff. You take yours. I'm out. I give up. I'm not happy right now. We're done. What we don't do is walk away from our in-laws and say, you're annoying. Of course they're annoying. They're in-laws. That's what they're made to be. And you'll be an in-law maybe one day. And you'll be annoying too. We don't walk away from family. We don't cut family out because family is worth it. We forgive as we've been forgiven. And while we're at it, if we're followers of Jesus, family isn't just blood. Family goes way beyond and it goes into the body of Christ. And when we act like Christ, we forgive. And when we act like Him, we show mercy. And when we act like Him, we make peace. And we are called children of God. There is nothing that you can do in your life that will make you appear more in the likeness of God than gracious forgiveness. I got three boys. And when I lead in my house in such a way that brings about peace, and we learn to make peace, and when we do everything possible to live at peace with everyone, and when we take it and, and, and someone is hurt and they freely forgive, guess what we look like? We look like our heavenly Father, created in His image, being conformed to the likeness of His Son. And if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, we're going to honor Him in living and loving the way that He has loved us. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they will be called the children of God. Pray with me. Father, we pray today that you would do a healing work in a way that only you can do. God, it is our desire, it is my desire by the power of Christ to be a peacemaker for your glory. We no longer want to wish just for the absence of bad, but we want to we want to move towards the highest good by your power. God, make me a peacemaker. God, make my friends here this morning peacemakers. If that's you, if that's where you want to be, then get serious. And I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I want to pray in a specific way and ask. Nobody looking around. But let's be serious. Let's be honest before God. How many of you in your family where there's hurt, there's, there's been betrayal, there's brokenness, there's a relationship that needs healing, you have part of the power to bring about that healing. How many of you would say, please pray for me and my family? If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right now? Yeah, hands everywhere. Oh, it breaks my heart. God, I pray today, first for everyone who is saying, yes, I want to be a peacemaker. I pray, God, that we would not be Christian in name only, but we would be fully surrendered to the truth of your Son, Jesus, empowered by your Spirit to live in the blessings of your truth. Blessed are the peacemakers, God. Give us the courage to tell the truth in love, to own whatever we've done, what we've done wrong. And God, give us the courage to forgive, even though it makes us feel exposed and vulnerable and there are weird words to say. Help us to forgive even that which seems unforgivable to us. Help us to do that and remember that we forgive as you forgave us. Now, Father, I want to pray specifically for those who've been hurt, who've been wounded, who've been betrayed, who've been abused. I pray for the misunderstandings, God. I pray that you would give us the power to do everything possible to live at peace with all people. God, I pray for the courage for those who will reach out to someone who has not been receptive in the past. God, I pray for the ability to forgive that which seems and feels unforgivable. God, I pray for the grace to deal with difficult people as they need grace to often deal with us. And God, I pray that we would have the courage to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other that there might be healing, real healing, deep healing. And what the enemy tries to steal, God, that you would make better and make new. I pray for miraculous restorations. God, for those marriages that are hanging by a thread, God, for those marriages that have already come apart and the thread has broken, God, we pray that in your presence at this moment, there would be healing. Healing for the marriages that are hanging by a thread. God, I pray that you would make them Christ-centered in their marriage and in their homes and to, for this to be towards your glory. That the restorations and heart transformations would come as a gift from you. God, heal parent and children relationships. 
sibling and extended family, cousin relationships. We pray, God, that in your presence, your Holy Spirit would bring healing where there has been hurt. None of us has gone forward hurt-free. Meet us today where we need to be met. Holy Spirit, fill us, re-energize us, and restore us that we might be able to live as peacemakers. And where we go, we will make this world better. That we might be able to leave today saying that the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus. I obeyed Jesus today. God, help us to see as you see that we might freely be able to do as you say. Thanks for meeting with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, brethren, be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And may the God of love and peace be with you. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Yeah, it's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And I'm convinced that the more we connect, the better that it gets. So I want to remind you and I want to send you out today. I don't want to just have you disappear. You got the message at the beginning. I'm going to give you the same message at the end. You are the church. Where you go, the church goes. Where you go, the body of Christ goes. So take that spirit, that Holy Spirit, that we have asked to fill you and to be around you, to be in the atmosphere. Take that peacemaking spirit with you as you go and transform this world and bring it into conformity with the likeness of Christ. Expand the kingdom of God by the way that you will choose to be and to relate. Because we are Christ-centered. We are spirit-empowered. And we are mission-focused. And our mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. Thanks for being with us today. It was great. It was really nice to have you here.